Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, it's episode 33 for the love of the game. Let's get it rolling. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Episode 23 for the love of the game. Good to be back behind the mic. Lots of stuff going on as October is a jam-packed sports month. Baseball playoffs. NBA season is in about two weeks. And to quote my man, Marv Albert, here's what I have to say about NBA season. NHL season started last night. NFL is a quarter way through the, the year. Lots going on right now, and now that the Jewish holiday season is in the books, I should be back to producing and banging out more content on a regular basis, giving the Legion what they crave and what they deserve. Also, I'm getting into the blogging game a little bit for Jarek Media's site, Vocal. Shoutouts to them, so keep your eyes open for that. Another place to find the podcast. So, since last show, the New York Giants looked good one week and really bad the next week. The passing game was excellent in week three. Well, not so much in week four. Just not explosive enough. I'm at the point where I'd rather Eli Manning throw an interception as long as he throws it 40 yards down the field just to show that he's capable. Not a good place to be in as a fan. Saquon Barkley is excellent, and the defense is actually fine. It holds up okay, but the passing game is just so incredibly frustrating. For Eli Manning, well, it's not good. The only silver lining for the Giants right now is that the NFC East looks to be pretty crappy this year, and nine wins may be enough to win the division. Just just gross uh, from the New York Giants and from the NFC East as a whole. A couple of highlights around the NFL. One, the Los Angeles Rams are just drubbing teams, and they look to be the best team in the league by a considerable margin. Two, Fitzmagic. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has sort of expired in Tampa. And Tampa Bay looks to be uh, crappy as advertised as they were preseason. Three, the Bears and the Jaguars seem to have the two best defenses in football and may have a formula to have extended runs deep into January. Four, Patrick Mahomes, the QB for the Chiefs, is the most electric player in the NFL. Watch his highlights. It's just unbelievable stuff from him. And the Chiefs are undefeated so far at 4-0. Good stuff going on in Kansas City. And to close the segment on the NFL of this part of the show, here are my uh, five picks against the spread for Week 5. After a terrible Weeks 2 through 3, last week I rebounded nicely going 3-1-1. So maybe, just maybe, I may be back on track. So here we go. Five picks against the spread for week five. I like the Saints minus six and a half. 
on Monday night. I like the Cardinals plus four. I like the Vikings plus three. I like the Broncos plus one. I don't understand how the Jets can be favored against anybody. So Broncos plus one. And I like the Ravens at minus three. And now let's talk a little baseball. Playoff baseball is here. We had two play-in games or wild card games, whichever game, whatever term you want to call it. You had the Cubs-Rockies, which was a grueling 13-inning game in which the Rockies came out on top 2-1. to one. And last night, the Yankees and the Oakland A's squared off in the Bronx where the Yankees won 7-2. to two. So now the matchups for the playoffs are set. In the National League, you have the Rockies versus the AL Central champs, Milwaukee Brewers, which is a surprise. In our MLB preview show uh, months ago, me and my esteemed guests, Moshe Cook and Phil Bowsk, penciled in the Chicago Cubs to be the division champs in the NL Central. So this was a bit of a surprise. And yes, I am trying to have the two of them on again at once uh, so we can run the three-man weave to recap the season, recap our preseason predictions, and preview the World Series. Hopefully that's going to be coming on soon. The other matchup is the Dodgers versus the Atlanta Braves, who no one expected to win the AL East this year, so definitely a surprise there as well. In the American League where they had three teams win over 100 games this year, which is kind of crazy, we have the reigning World Series champions Houston Astros against the Cleveland Indians who are looking for their first World Series title since 1948 and we have the New York Yankees against their hated rival and little brother yeah I said it the Boston Red Sox very exciting baseball to come a quick recap on last night's Yankees win to advance to Boston for the ALDS Luis Severino gave the Yanks just enough for them to rely on the bullpen to close out the win. Dellen Betances was amazing in his performance to get out of the jam in the fifth to preserve the 2-0 lead. Aaron Judge stirs the drink for this Yankees team. He has all season, did it again last night. First inning two-run home run to get them on the board and a late double and a run scored to really open up the game. Luke Voigt continues to be hot at the plate and be an absolute godsend for the Yankees. The Yankees' infield defense was bad again last night, which is not a good trend for them. Can't be giving opposing teams extra outs in the playoffs. But all in all, a convincing 7-2 win is just what the doctor ordered. And now we're on to Boston, where as flawed as this Yankees team is, I actually think they're going to beat the Sox and advance to the ALCS. Let's dance, city of Boston. Here we go. Oh, and one thing before we get into tonight's guests, uh, Aaron Boone, somebody who I and most Yankee fans have been exceedingly critical of all year. Well, every decision he made last night came up aces. The one that people debated most uh, was whether to allow Luis Severino to start the fifth inning, even though uh, through four innings, Uh, He had 80-something pitches and was a little bit of a struggle in the fourth inning. I defended the move because Seve's velocity was still in the high 90s. He struck out somebody uh, with an 100-mile-per-hour fastball to end the fourth and end the jam. Uh, So I was definitely in favor of bringing him out to start the fifth. You know, there's no reason to go to the bullpen immediately. But uh, Boone was right to pull him after back-to-back hits to start the fifth. Uh, Overall, it was a really big night for Aaron Boone. Everything he did came up aces, and hopefully that trend continues as we move further into October. 
All right, so I couldn't get the trio on from our MLB preview uh, episode a couple of months ago, but I needed to have at least one of the guys on. Uh, and um, my esteemed recurring guest, Mr. Phil Bausk, big Red Sox fan, uh, uh, lucky enough to catch him uh, before the ALDS starts Friday night. Phil, what's going on, man? Oh, uh, not much. You know, uh, nervous wreck as usual before one of these series. Uh, definitely, not a lot, definitely not a lot of fun. Uh, before game one, at least for me personally. It's never, uh, I should say, baseball season, uh, especially postseason baseball, is not for the faint of heart. Uh, That wild card game last night, even though it was 7-2, was very nerve-wracking throughout the night. Those fourth and fifth innings for the Yankees was definitely something that it could take uh, months off your life if if you're really, truly invested. Yeah, it's not. Uh, I'm not envious of anyone who had to watch uh, either Cubs fans or Rockies fans. Um, I don't feel so bad for Yankee fans, but I never will. So I will be playing as many one-game playoffs as possible. I don't expect you to. But that brings us into um, the first. My first question for you is, in terms of the wild card, the way they do it, and the structure, having the two teams, the one-game playoff. Are you in favor of this? I mean, it, it's it's a pretty divisive. Uh, issue around baseball fans. Some people really like it. Some people don't. What What are your opinions on it? It's a tough spot to be in. Um, I like the idea that they're getting more teams into the playoffs. And as you as you know, during the season, just as you get down to the end of the regular season in the National League this year, there's so many teams that the fans are still interested, and in. your more hardcore fans are watching a lot of National League baseball. I, I don't know what the ratings numbers are, but there's just general interest because. It's a playoff race. Um, that being said, it's definitely not perfect. It's definitely far from perfect. I'm not. I'm, I've never understood in baseball why they didn't have more teams make the playoffs in general. Um, like a three division winner's fourth best record, then two wild cards. And the problem with that though is, if two teams get a bye, they're going to complain about sitting out too long. So maybe you make that wild card series if you're doing four teams uh, best out of three instead of a one game playoff. It, there, there's, there's a lot of semantics and things that would need to be ironed out, but I don't like the one game wild card idea. But you all, and the problem is that the way they have to do it is you can't have ironically this year for Yankees fans, it's unfair because they won a hundred games. They have the second, they have the second best record in the AL or third best record. Third. The, Ast- yeah. the Astros had 103 wins. Right. Regardless, they had a better record than the Indians. Um, and they have to play in that one-game playoff. But they also, the understanding of usually a division with 200-win teams is you have bad teams in that division. So the Yankees got to play the Orioles and Blue Jays 40 times instead of the Red Sox. Those are two pretty bad teams. But the the Rays were good. The Rays were good. The Rays also got really hot in the last two months. They're about around 500 for most of the year. They're good, but they're not, you know, they're not, they weren't really. They never really made a push to the playoffs. They never got that far. Um, but that's the thing. It's just a semantic like that that makes it so hard to try to come up with what's fair. Nothing is ever going to really be fair. Um, but as it's constructed now, I, I vote nay. <laughs> what do you think of just having the best four records in each league, American League, National League, just the best four records? Because then you run into that problem of if you're in the Central. And there's a year where the Twins are really good and the Indians are really good, and then those teams are just like they were this year. Is it fair that the Twins got to play those other three teams roughly 60 times? It's, 
That's a bad division. That's a very bad division. The Indians got to play those teams 80 times about, you know, this year. So it's tough to to really gauge how, what would be most fair. I, that's what, I don't like the idea of a one-game playoff. I think if you can give a team, if you can make the averages be more in favor of the team that's better, I think that's what, that's all you can do. And, and you look about all the time off that the Red Sox had. Uh, they haven't played since Sunday, realistically, and that's even, you know, they're not throwing out their regular lineup for about a week once they know they had the division and best record locked up. There's time for some kind of three-game series. The question is the players want to play that much before going right into another another series. It's a lot of baseball. It's a lot of travel. Um, yeah, and, like and the there, there's no way the Players Association would agree to that. Uh, you know, the Players Association in baseball is exceedingly powerful, and I just, I just think this is sort of the best we're going to get. And you know what? Honestly, it generates interest and it, it gives incentive to win the division. If you don't want to have to face the trials and tribulations of playing a one-game playoff, you have to win the division. That's the bottom line. Well, I don't know where, where, where this MLB players union being very powerful coming from. Well, I mean, the, <laughs> they're not, they are not very powerful. You don't think so? I mean, they, they've had a history in terms of just like whether it was drug testing or other things or, or not having a, uh, a cap. You know, I think the Major League Baseball's Players Association is a pretty powerful union in terms of players' no, associations go. No? They've, they've really struggled in terms of making things better for lower-level players. And the no-cap issue is something both them and ownership want. That's not a player issue. Uh, they really struggle with their leadership now. A lot of people are uh, trying to get Tony Clark out of there. Um, it's, it's, a bit of, it's, not, it's not bad like the NFL. Well, it can't possibly be as bad as the NFL's. Right. But the idea, if you told the players, though, you get extra playoff bonus money for playing more playoff games than one one wild card game. It's a lot of money. They'd probably be into it. But it's just a lot of travel. New York, Oakland for three days. Game goes to three series. That game would go to a full three. You're in trouble. Then you get to the point where if you're the Yankees, you give the team with a better record the choice. Would you rather play the first game and then play the first two games and play the third game in Oakland? Or would you rather play game one in Oakland and then two? For the, it, it does cause more problems than it creates. That's, that's the whole idea of the conversation. Is it's very hard to come up with a foolproof solution. I, I mean, Major League Baseball doesn't know it. How am I supposed to know it? <laughs> well, because you're, a, you're a, um, a passionate fan who just wants the – you know, the, the game to be at its best. So, you know, sometimes the suits don't know as, you know, don't know as best as you would. But the game's, at, the game's at its best when the Red Sox are in the playoffs. That's all, that's all I really care about. Well, <laughs> well, whatever. A- anyway, so I, I guess after, you know, right now we've got Yankee Sox um, as a Sox fan in terms of what level of excitement do you have that it's Yankees, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, ALDS, first time they're playing in the playoffs since 2004? Is the juice of Yankees, Red Sox a little bit back from the sense that you're getting around, whether it's the Twitter sphere, around the media? Do you think it has that level of vitriol that it's always had? Uh, well, if not, it's never going to get back. As a Red Sox fan, it'll never get back to 2004 because of how it ended up for the Red Sox. But it's definitely back 
in the sense that I have more people in the last, even going back to last year, who uh, friends of ours like a like a Sam Groundman texting me or asking me questions about baseball and the Yankees, even though you know maybe I didn't get those questions before, not just from him but from a lot of people, kind of come out of the woodwork and started to ask me about baseball, specifically Yankees Red Sox. So it's definitely back in my life more than it was in the in recent years. Um, but it's it's Twitter also, you got to stay away from Twitter. That's my first advice to you right now. It just as a human being, a human being. Twitter, <laughs> Twitter is a volatile place. I don't want you going anywhere near that. <laughs> it's a gift um, and a curse. It's a gift and no, a curse to Twitter. Just a, just a curse. Um, I could, you know, Ken Rosenthal could, you know, email something out or write something about breaking news. He doesn't have to tweet it. Post something on Instagram, maybe. I don't know. Just Twitter. Get away from Twitter. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely back. It's definitely, you could tell TV, TV analysts are excited about it. The teams seem to have, you know, players like each other more now than they used to, you know, if you go back 20, 30 years. But these two teams definitely understand the the base of the rivalry and, and what it means not just to get get to the ALCS, but to beat the Yankees and beat the Red Sox to get to the ALCS. Uh, I'm curious if we'll see anything like that boil over during the series. I think if it's a tight series, if it's a tight series, you're going to get CC in game three or four. And I feel like he's a guy who really has experienced the rivalry more than anyone else on either team. Uh, well, that's interesting so I, you say that because of the style of managing these days with with the bullpens uh, being so much more prominent and, and starting pitching being marginalized. You could throw CC for hopefully three, four innings and then just play a bullpen game if you're the Yankees. I don't think that's what they're going to do, but it wouldn't surprise me. I, I think well, – yeah, go ahead. Well, it all depends how the series shakes out. I mean, if we get – if the the Yankees split the first two, CC uh, could end up starting game three because it could save Severino for four and have half on full rest for five. Mm-hmm. But if the Red Sox take the first two games, then you probably see CC either in game four or more likely in a bullpen scenario because if they're down 2-1, I'd assume they'd pitch half because he's had such a success, success against the Red Sox, while PC doesn't tend to have that success against them anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, I, I think getting back to is the juice back, a lot of it has to do with, you know, young players in their primes on each team. You know, for a while, the Yankees were a very stale team. Um, I mean, my, minus 2009, it was just like a stale roster, you know, not not a whole heck of a lot of excitement. Um, but now, obviously, with the you know the kids, Glaber Torres, Aaron Judge, the young guys, and the Red Sox have their fair share of young guys. Also, I mean, Mookie Betts is in young and in his prime. That sort you tell of reinvigorates you tell me Brett it. Gard- Brett Gardner doesn't get your juices going. That bald head. No, Brett Gardner does get, not get the juices. Has to perk up a little bit. No, Brett Gardner does not up. get the ATH juices going. In fact, I, I would like nothing more to see Brett Gardner stay on the bench for the majority of the playoffs. And and we're signing our ATH juices, bottle it, sell it. Listen, you know, you, but no one's gonna buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. You know what? You got to build a brand sometimes, uh, and maybe, maybe that, maybe that can be part of it. <laughs> All right. So, um, Sox- I mean, I think Gardner will play a role in the series. By the way, good or bad, he's he's going to get us at bat. Well, and he'll he can also be a defensive replacement. 
but uh, it's really hard considering his uh, postseason numbers uh, in the past are not really good. They're not good at all. It's really hard to play him at this point. Um, Your mindset going into this series in terms of confidence um, uh, with with the Red Sox right now, would you say – that you're nervous considering that it seems to be the case that the Red Sox are built for a team built for the regular season more so than the postseason, especially given Chris Sale and David Price's spotty postseason histories. Um, I'm more concerned about the combination of the layoff um, and the bullpen more than I am about Sale and Price in the sense that if Sale's good in Game One, they really they that's that's big for them because that that makes that, that actually changes the entire dynamic of the team. I wouldn't say they're built for the regular season, not the postseason. I mean, you look at that lineup; it's it's long. They just have the, they have a hole of catcher, and they are inconsistent at third base. But um, now with Kinsler, they have another bat they can use. They have Holt, who's actually healthy. I remember Holt had vertigo not too long ago, and they really knocked him out for about a year, year and a half. Um, I'm nervous because the Yankees are a good team and they also have, they have a better lineup, but they strike out a lot, which, which plays to those, those first two starters outings and, and price with his struggles against the Yankees. He was better in his, his last start in Fenway. He was very good against the Yankees and overall the second half of the year had an ERA roughly around two. So, I mean, you gotta be hopeful in that sense. I'm more looking at sale. If sale, if they lose the game, sale starts. That's when. That's when I sound the alarm. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume it's going to be Price, Sale, and then what? Porcello in Game Three? Because they're never going to pitch yeah. Price in Yankee Stadium. They can't. No, it's, it's Sale, Price, Porcello. Eovaldi is scheduled to pitch Game Four right now, and he's actually got the best numbers against the Yankees of any of these guys. Um, but he's a guy who could end up coming in. At some point in games two, he he is in the bullpen for the first three games, and I believe they kept Eduardo Rodriguez on the playoff roster. So they have they have options if Price really struggles. And Porcello has been very good against the Yankees. Porcello, um, he's always he's pitches big games against them. He had a, he's been he's better on the road. I'm I'm very confident him in game three against whoever the Yankees pitch. It's that it's that first game. If Sale is, is Chris Sale and and the Red Sox scratch together some runs against Hap, um, it'll go a long way to reassuring myself. And, and even, I, you know, this is how you know the juice is back, as you want to say it. Um, I spent a lot of today looking at Red Sox bullpen pitchers and how they've done recently against the Yankees. Normally I would not do that, but I'm very worried about the bullpen. So I had to reassure myself that Kimbrell and Kelly have actually been okay recently, while Chapman struggles mightily against the Red Sox. So Britain... And Robertson are dominant against them, but gives me hope in the ninth inning. How many bullpen pitchers for the Red Sox are you confident in going into this series, considering the way you know it, it could shake out that that sale, you know, getting back with the velocity down or whatever, he may not give you the length that he normally would. Um, well, luckily, luckily, I think that's where Evaldi comes in. But say they say Sale pitches five to six, and they're going to go one inning, guys, because that's just the traditional route. I'm really only very confident in two to three, and it's a, the three is a half between Stephen Wright 
and Tyler Thornburg. <laughs> it's a combo of those two guys, and I'm not very confident. In it. Let's stay with two. Let's just go two then. Why not? Let's stick with two. That, that, that's not great. <laughs> that's yeah, that's but not I a great spot to be before. in. I mean, that Red Sox-Tiger series, I was terrified about beforehand because I thought the Red Sox wouldn't be able to hit Tiger's relievers, and they just beat up on them. It's baseball such a fickle sport, and everything's such a small sample size. Anything can kind of turn in a series. Here's where I'm nervous as, as a Yankee fan. Um, besides for Hap, uh, Tanaka can either be you know, the really good Tanaka, or he can give up three to four home runs in the first two to three innings, and it, and it's done. Um, He's their best postseason pitcher, statistically. Yeah, but I, I don't He's know. He's a big-game pitcher. Uh, well, I, I, I hope that bears out because... <laughs> You know, during the regular season, he's definitely up and down. Um, you know, some of the bullpen guys make me uh, still a little nervous. Zach Britton ha- hasn't been as great as they thought he was going to be when they got him. Um, and ultimately, you know, th- the key for them is Gary Sanchez. Like, is he just going to be atrocious because um, he looks lost behind the plate? Uh, and is he going to be terrible defensively? And the Red Sox... That series where they swept them four games, I think it was in August, right? And yeah, Fenway. And that first game where they stole about seven bases or something like that, and they made the Yankees look terrible and terrorized them on the base paths. That could that could be really really bad. And the Yankees statistically are the worst team in the American League at turning double plays. You know, basic ground ball double plays. Don't seem to be simple for them. I mean, Luke Voigt threw one almost away that Dee made a great play just to get the out at second. And Duhar, his defense is a little up and down. It's just those are my my biggest concerns for the Yankees. Yeah, it's stuff on a at a game to game basis, which is which is difficult. You can't give the Red Sox extra outs. You can't let them turn over the lineup. Um, this is this team has this core for the Red Sox have struggled in the playoffs in the last couple of years, but there are some key differences. Ben Tendi is a stud. Um, JD's on the team. Uh, defensively, especially in the outfield, I don't know if there's anybody better. I, I, they're so good in the outfield defensively. Um, and then you come to the infield, and Bogarts has, has had a career year. He's finally turned those doubles into home runs. Kinver's a great defensive second baseman. It helps very good. And Moreland's going to play a lot of first. But, you know, Devers leaves a lot to be desired. Um, they, the Red Sox definitely have the intangible advantage. Um, the problem with the, what the Red Sox lack is success in the postseason. So th- this Yankee team, they got further last year than Boston did, obviously, and they have a few new parts, including Stanton. The question will be how does Stanton perform in the first? This is Stanton's first this is this is the most pressure he'll have on him in yeah. his career. Yeah, that that'll be uh he he's somebody definitely to watch, obviously. You know, he hits in the middle of the lineup, he's he's a monster, but he hasn't well, been last the time he played a meaningful playoff game in terms of before he came to New York. I uh never. <laughs> New York was doing. his first uh it was his first uh playoff game ever. I mean, we'll we'll right. see how he goes. I mean the glaring hole in the Red Sox lineup, I mean, is, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. 
And if he has a big series, I don't I don't see how the Yankees can necessarily overcome that. If he's going to be the guy who I mean, he made the All-Star team 2 or 3 years ago and was was awesome, and he just hasn't been anywhere close to that since. If he's going to have a big series, I I don't see the Yankees being able to overcome that. Well, that's the that's the then that's the great thing about the Red Sox team is they don't need him to have a great series. They need him to play good defense. Uh, his last roughly 70 games, he's been closer to like the 260, 250, 260 hitter with some power that got him on the all-star team. Uh, but he's such a wild card, and I don't trust him in big spots against a lefty. But, yeah, he's a guy that if he does, especially in that in Yankee Stadium, that's a good ballpark for him because I think, I mean, I could hit it out of the right field in Yankee Stadium. But Jackie Bradley can also, I'd assume. Um, <laughs> well, before before uh, you, the people don't know. Before your shoulder surgery, cup, you know, over a decade ago, that you were on uh, on uh, track to be a uh, a northeast uh, northeastern uh, baseball star. Uh, I don't know about star, but I'm saying today I could hit the ball all over the fence in Yankee Stadium in right field. I'd love a shot at it, but I, I definitely can. And so Jackie Bradley Jr. Probably did a little easier than I can. Which, um, so in terms of confidence of hitters at the plate for you, uh, in the playoffs, who do you, which guys do you have the most confidence in a big spot? I mean, I I don't know what JD Martinez's playoff record is, uh, in terms of uh, how he's been in the past. I mean, I, I don't think he's been in that many postseasons. I think he was in last I'm year, not, maybe one with the Tigers. I'm not too familiar with his postseason track record. Um, he strikes out a little much for my taste. I mean, he's still very good, obviously. In that ballpark, I mean, Fenway is a dream for him because he hits the ball everywhere. In the case, he hits the ball so high also that anything to center or left is out. Um, but, I mean, I always waver back and forth between Mookie and Benatendi because uh, Mookie goes on little stretches where he kind of rushes things and will have a three-pitch at bat. Uh, Benatendi, I mean, I have a semi-erotic crush on him, so I could be a little more biased towards him, but I, I'd love to see him come up in a big spot in the series. He did it in that night, the game against the Yankees, and uh, part of that four-game sweep uh, after Andahar and Duhar made the error. Um, but I'd probably go 1A, 1B of Betts and Benintendi. Uh, and then it, I mean, it, then it probably goes to Bogarts, just because he always makes good contact. Um, he has a great approach at the plate. And that's probably go JD. And then the rest, Devers has been great in big spots, but he's, his swing is everywhere. And it makes me anxious watching it. <laughs> but then he hits a, you know, a home run off Chapman and you're like, Oh, okay, great. It worked out. Uh, I, I'm nervous. I'm just, I need it. I need the first pitch to get here and I need the last pitch to get here. You know what I mean? Uh, I get, I got that. Um, I, I understand. <laughs> I mean, I feel Oddly confident about this, and I've been on record saying that this Yankee team is exceedingly flawed, but I just think that this is a good spot for them, as opposed to... Because you've been also hearing a lot about how bad the Red Sox bullpen is. It makes you more confident. That's true. And the price factor. There are a lot of reasons to be confident. That's true. So I guess in terms of your predictions for the series, uh, what do you like? The optimist in me says the Red Sox will win at four. Um... I think they'll win in four or five. I, I, I do think their lineup will carry them through this series. I think the Yankees will have one or two big games at the plate, which will give them those wins. 
but I, I just don't see them having three big games to play while the Red Sox don't match or do something similar. But this Red Sox team has flubbed at the plate before in the playoffs, so they're so unpredictable once you get to this time of year. It's, it's, it's mental, and it's, I mean, maybe the Yankees wake them up a little bit. Maybe that'll be, you know, it's not as much. Houston might have been the best team in the league last year, but it's not the same as playing the Yankees in the playoffs. Would, let, let's say, you know, in, in an alternate universe, this was a best-of-seven series. Would you be more or less confident? I'd be more confident because I think you get failed. Assuming you have a healthy sale, you get sale in three three games possibly. Right. No one wants to face Chris Sale three times. He's he was the best pitcher in the league before he got whatever injury he got. And they say he's healthy, so you gotta trust him. Find out tomorrow night. I mean, you won't because it'll be Shabbos, but I'll find out tomorrow night. I'll I'll, I'll I'm sure I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll figure out a way to know what what what's going on. Um. Okay. I um. I actually think the Yankees are going to win four. Um. And they have to. If it goes back to five, I don't know if they can win And if this was a best of seven, I would give them a way lesser of a chance. Way less of a chance. But the fact that it's five games, if they if they steal game two um off price, um I I think they have a a, a really good chance because, you know, from the reports I've heard, and I haven't really monitored the Red Sox as much as I probably should have, but Chris Sale's <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm also I'm a, I'm a spoil I'm a spoiled baseball fan. Like I, I started. You're an Yankee fan. Red Sox fans I, monitor everything the Yankees do. Yankee fans do not monitor anything the Red Sox do. It's a similar Mets Yankees thing. Mets fans always know what the Yankees are doing. The Yankees barely know the Mets are still in existence. There's a lot of truth to that. I mean. Listen, I, I I started following sports, baseball being one of them, in you know the mid '90s, and the Yankees were were the family team. And then I saw four World Series, and then another one a couple of years ago in 2009. And it's just like, you know, I'm a I'm a very spoiled baseball fan. So I mean, I get it. I'm a Cowboys fan, but ever since I've been old enough to care, I've gotten three three and a, three and a half good seasons of Tony Romo, and then. Six, six band games of Ezekiel Elliott for hitting a woman, probably, probably hitting a woman harder than he should have. <laughs> it's 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 basically the same. Um, uh, yeah, you guys got a World Series in two thousand nine, but the uh, but the but the Yankees are you know they with the homegrown kids. It, it's invigorated my baseball fandom uh, a little bit more, but uh, I, I definitely I, I like them to win four. I have a question for you, actually. Yeah. So I'm sure you saw this a couple of weeks ago, but Aaron Judge, for the second year in a row, has the most popular, highest-selling jersey in mm-hmm. baseball. Yes. I don't understand it. Can you explain that to me? Uh, biggest media market in the uh, in the country. The um, the most famous, proud franchise in all of sports. Uh, very likable. So your your just keep in mind your first two reasons. Have nothing to do with his personality. No, and he's very he's very likable. He seems to be great to the media, uh, which I'm sure they um, they perpetuate and and spread his um, his good name around. Um, seem- I think it just shows the fact that baseball is in where a guy with that bland of a personality is your top selling jersey. 
Well, they're they're looking for the guy to replace Jeter. You know, Jeter was the face of baseball for a decade, uh, and Jeter didn't have like the biggest personality. He was just a really likable star in New York, and and that's sort of what Aaron Judge is. I mean, the guy also hits mammoth home runs. You know, he's he's uh, a highlight waiting to happen. Um, he's got a big smile. He, uh, from all reports, that he's you know, really good with fans and, and especially younger fans and they gravitate towards that. And and it's not – that's not a bad thing for Major League Baseball to be in in terms of a guy to market. I could – I could – I'm going to use a comparison that your, some of your uh, audio viewership will uh, appreciate. But it's the same comparison in terms of Judge and Jeter. But in the words of Paul Mooney um, – Brian Gumbel. Oh no, I totally screwed it up. Well, never mind. But it's the same <laughs> idea. Aaron, Aaron Judge, Derek Jeter, Aaron Judge makes Derek Jeter look like Malcolm X. But it doesn't make sense that way. But it does when it comes out the right way. Gotcha. So, so you're saying Aaron Judge <laughs> makes Derek Jeter look like ton, have tons of personnel, like Brian, basically comparing Brian Gumbel to Malcolm X in terms of his. Uh, Ethnicity per se, correct? I'm pretty sure it was Wayne Brady makes Brian Gumble look like Malcolm X, but oh, I don't want to say I'm 100 percent correct. <laughs> gotcha. I think I think I've heard, I've heard that quote somewhere, so I know exactly what you're going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, just a quick before I let you go, in terms of the other series, uh, just to give a quick overview, and I, I know, um, I spoke to you and Moshe about getting together to do uh, the three-man pod for uh, previewing the World Series and just going over our preseason predictions and how off they were. Um, in terms of the other series, I guess, uh, oh, Milwaukee against Colorado. Uh, what do you say? Do you have our Do you have our preseason predictions handy? Is that Is that going to be for the next one? Uh, it's going to be for the next one. I'm going to have to write them down. I do know that okay. none of us picked the Braves to win the AL East. No, but nobody in their right mind. Right. The Braves to win and the AL no East. one picked Milwaukee to win the AL Central, even though we said that they were going to be improved. And out. And Central. Central. I was a little, I think, more on the Milwaukee train. They also then, you know, traded for apparently the best player in baseball in. Uh, Christian Yelich slash Pete Davidson. Uh, shout out, so butthole uh, eyes. <laughs> yeah, he looked. They looked eerily similar. Eerily uh, similar. But uh, I was always a fan of the Brewers team. They've added their bullpen's got really good. So, and the, the Central fell off. Like uh, the Cardinals were better than I thought they would be, but uh, everyone else fell off. Like kind of as expected. I don't think that was too much of a surprise. I think it was more a surprise. That the won 94 games as opposed to maybe 88 to 90. So you like you like the Brewers in that series? Oh, for sure. I mean, the Rockies don't have the pitching yet um, to do what they want to do. They're definitely on the way up. This Kyle Freeland can really pitch, uh, and this, and Herman Marquez. Herman Marquez, I think, could be a bet, one of the best pitchers in baseball if he has like figures things out mentally. But he leaves too many fastballs on the little plate. And he doesn't have a tremendous third pitch yet, but you gotta watch him pitch when you get the chance. He's he's really good. And in the uh, Dodgers Braves, uh, it's got to be the Dodgers. Uh, I mean, they're winning right now. I think as we're talking, I think they're up four nothing in the second inning. The Braves don't have the pitching yet. They don't have the experience. Um, I mean, you're throwing out faulty in game one. That's not great. And then Kershaw's gonna pitch game two against 
you know, it's a Newcomb or whoever they throw out there. They could be down 2-0 very quickly. And the Astros, Astros Indians. I mean, the Indians seem to be a team that are built for the postseason, and the Astros, you know, are the reigning World Series champs. Uh, that seems oh, to be the, like a knockout, dragout series. The best, better series than Yankees Red Sox for for a baseball fan. I mean, the pitching, yeah. the pitching matchups I, I read today were Verlander, Kluber, Carrasco, Cole in those first two games. That's that's a doozy. Yeah, um, I would be inclined. As a, as a gambling man, to take it Cleveland because they're about, I think they're plus 150. But the Astros will probably come out on top just because they also have so much length in their lineup that's tough to compete with. Cleveland is a little more top heavy, uh, and their bullpen has question marks compared, uh, so uh, similar to Houston's, but Houston has a little more reliability in the starting pitching. But it's, in that series, I, if I had to pick a winner, I'd pick Houston, but Cleveland could end up winning that series. Wouldn't win that series in three or four games. You never know. Wouldn't you say Cleveland has the two best position players in the series? Um, I still think, even though he's had a down year, I'll, I would probably still take Altuve over Lindor, but it would not be by much. I think Jose Ramirez is the best position player in the series. People forget that he's probably the best defensive second baseman in baseball combine that with all of his hitting, but uh, Houston's outfield is also across, it's across, it's much, it's better than Cleveland. So that's, that's a big advantage to have and getting to play those first two games in that outfield at Houston, which is not the easiest outfield to play, and it's a park that is very, very kind to its home lineup. It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. They, they, I don't think Cleveland has a shot if they don't win game one, if they lose game one, they're, they're going to lose a series. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, Phil, thanks so much for your time. Uh, I'd like to say, I'd wish you the best of luck on Friday night, but that would be a little bit of a lie, but uh, hopefully uh, after this is over, um, you know, we'll, we'll still, um, we're going to catch up and we're going to do uh, hopefully the world series preview. Uh, the three of us, like we did the uh, regular season preview. Sure. Uh, no, I wish you guys luck as well and know that there's nothing in my life I hate more than the Yankees except for myself, maybe. Oh, um, stop. Stop. <laughs> and if it's a Yankees World Series podcast, um, there will be profanity. So prepare for that. That's okay. If you come on, if the Yankees end up making the World Series at all and you come on, I'll take that as a, a tremendous sign of respect. So No, uh, you would have to, you'd have to bleep stuff out, like I'm telling <laughs> you now. No worries. You're laughing, but it's going to be a lot of work for whoever edits that podcast. I've got really good editors. Anyway, Phil, thanks so much for your time, and I'll speak to you soon. No problem. Good luck. All right. Thanks again to recurring guest, a good friend of mine, Mr. Philip Bausk. Uh, Always a pleasure to talk to him about anything, especially uh, with this impending Yankees-Red Sox series coming up. And that's this latest installment of the For the Love of the Game podcast, episode 33, Take Us Out, Migos. Test me, yeah. Quick flood, go 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.